Hello and welcome to Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions, where every week we talk about scientific misconceptions we all have, and we hope that you learn something new about the world. I am here with my co-host, Margaret the Ox, Hanslick Burton. And I'm here with my co-host, Camden, 2 p.m. coffee, Hanslick Burton. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show. Our first segment every week is where we share something we are excited about. Margaret, what are you excited about? Oh boy. Okay, so we're recording this on the day it's going out, Friday, February 12th, because we are on top of it and we are Are winning. good at planning ahead. So um, February 12th is the beginning of, let me pull up this tab here, the Great Backyard Bird Count. If you go to birdcount.org slash participate, you can find um, this really cool event that's happening the 12th through the 15th of February this year. And you use the Merlin Bird ID app. It's free. I think I've talked about it before. And you count the cool birds you can see in your backyard. I'm a big proponent of looking at the nature around you, not having to go, you know, you don't have to go out into the wilderness, whatever that means to see animals. You can see them in your own backyard. So I am very excited to start doing that today. Nice. Well, it is very appropriate for a couple reasons. You'll find out why you decided to talk about that. Okay. Um, but yeah, it is great that we are recording this right at the last moment um, <laughs> because it is Friday. You're hopefully listening on Friday, but um, happy Lunar New Year to everyone. Happy Lunar New Year. I wondered if you were going to mention that based on the nickname you gave me. Yes, Margaret is the ox because today is, or this year is the year of the ox. Happy Lunar New Year, everyone. Happy Lunar New Year uh, for those, are also called Chinese New Year, and um, it lasts 16 days, so feel free. The celebrations start today, the 12th, um, and they will go for a little while. Um, they culminate with the Lantern Festival. Um, I know in Seattle, we always enjoyed mm. <laughs> pre-COVID uh, going out um, to where my school was in the International District and mm-hmm. celebrating. It was always a lot of fun, a lot of fireworks and food. A lot and, of great food. Um, dancing. Yeah, dancing. Oh, man, I miss it. Missing it right now. But yeah, <laughs> go and celebrate um, however you can today and learn more if you want to learn more about Lunar New Year. Nice, Camden. Oh, now I'm excited and nostalgic. What's, yeah. our, uh, what's our next segment? Our next segment is What's That Sound? Uh, So in keeping up with the spirit of the show, one of us researches a sound that the other one doesn't know. Um, And I'm going to play it for you and you have to tell me what it is. Yeah, Camden's going to provide the sound today. Yep. Are you ready? All right. I think I'm ready. Okay. Wow. Okay, it's definitely an an animal, or rather a group of animals. There's certainly more than one. If not, I'm way off base. Um, it sounded like maybe macaques or something. Mm, Am I right? A macaque. A macaque is a type of monkey. Um, we saw a lot of them in Borneo, but I don't know if they made that sound. I, am I right in that it is a group of animals? It's a thrall of them. 
a thrall. Just kidding. I don't know if that's what the group of them is called, <laughs> but there are many of them. Can I hear it one more time? Of course you can. Thank you. Now that one made me feel like we're going in the bird direction. I always feel like that's my guess for these. What's that sound is a bird because birds can do so many sounds. Birds got some wild sounds locked up in them. But I am going to say that it is a group of macaques who are upset that a crocodile is on the bank of the river near them. Wow, you're like calling your shot in the exact location it's going to land. That's what it is. I'm going to say that. Am I close? Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, if you listen closely and go back and play, you'll hear a bit of howling-esque nature, if that gives you any other hint. It's a, it's a, is it singing dogs? No, wolves? but you are closer. Wolves? No. Baby wolves? There's something that a lot of people actually might hear even in urban environments and not coyotes. know they are coyotes. <gasps> Wow. Our urban friends. Oh, wow. Our cosmopolitan uh, predators, if you will. I will. Um, yeah, that was just coyotes uh, just doing their thing. Um, often on I know neighborhood, you're yep. neighborhood groups and whatnot, people will say like, that, there is something fighting outside or there must be wolves out there. And, sometimes it's raccoons. And sometimes it's raccoons. Got to be careful with that. But um, a lot of times there's just coyotes around and they make some weird, fun wow. sounds. Holy cow. That is so cool. I would have never guessed coyotes. Yeah. And I know there are coyotes in our neighborhood. So that's amazing. And if you see a coyote, they're pretty skittish. Don't worry about them. They eat rodents. Don't get close. Don't get close. Uh, they eat rodents. So they keep your... Um, Streets safe. I know sometimes they get a bad rap for hurting cats. Don't um, don't put food out don't for food animals. Out. Don't put food out for cats because not only does it attract possibly coyotes, but also any number of animals like possums, possibly and possums, opossums, and raccoons, and coyotes. Um, and don't leave your cat out because if it gets eaten by coyote, that's not the coyote's fault. This I feel like this could waterfall really easily into a whole bunch of rants about keeping your cats inside. But anyway, really cool sound. Camden. That's amazing. I'm going to listen for that now and know that there aren't macaques in our neighborhood. So not this time, <laughs> not this time. So let's head into our main segment of the show, the misconceptions. Every week we each bring a new misconception to share, explain and discuss. As always, each co-host has brought their own research and their own misconception. The other one has not heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you can that we get to learn alongside the listener and not feel like we needed to prepare anything special or sound overly smart because we're not we're all uh, about authenticity so we're going to flip a random number in the air a flip a number in the air here we go i'm just gonna do random number generator here's a random number one or two margaret uh two yes what? It's one. Oh. Um, the world smiles on me. <laughs> Here we go. Go ahead. Margaret. So smug. Oh, it's oh, okay. <laughs> I thought that's what you meant by go ahead. I did. I I should have known that this was the the opening that you always use. Go ahead. Margaret. Mhm. Mitochondria are 
The powerhouse of the cell. Wow, you terrible time to take a drink. <laughs> the powerhouse of the cell. Yes, correct. Or is it? Oh, no. Bum, 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 bum. Welcome to the misconception that mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell. Are you serious? Get over it. Margaret, Dang. What, what are mitochondria? The powerhouse of the cell. Let me read from a nighttime <laughs> story. Oh. Oh, we've got some Foley work. So I'm reading from Thing Explainer by one of my favorite science authors, Randall Monroe of the comic XKCD. Mm-hmm. Um, he at Thing Explainer is where he is a book that self-described describes complicated stuff in simple words. So he has to write everything with the hundred or thousand thousand, mo- thousand most common words in the English language. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from the expert or the excerpt, tiny bags of water you're made of, which are what, Margaret? Organs. Oh, oh cells. Cells. Yeah, there is one on organs. Um, this organ is called, or this organelle, this part of the cell is called the little animal. These are living things, not really animals, that got stuck in our bags of water a long time ago, like the green things and tree leaves. Now we can't live without each other. They get food and air from our bodies and turn them into power for our bags. <laughs> Gorgeous. Well so, done. The mitochondria are like a little bag inside of our cells. Uh, they are often called organelles, which just means they are kind of like an organ for a cell. Mm-hmm. Um, just as the same way we have organs that help us. Um, yeah, the big thing they do is they do make, they're called the powerhouse because they make energy for our cells. Um, so we take food that gets digested and absorbed as sugar. Right. And they turn that into energy. Um, ATP is often a thing, but we'll just talk about energy today. That'd be great. Thank um, you. so they're responsible for turning glucose, a sugar and oxygen into carbon dioxide, water and energy. This is the, mi- this is the mitochondria. The mitochondria. Okay. So this is why. That sounds pretty powerful. The human body and many <laughs> animals need food and oxygen. Okay. Is because of this little guy, the mitochondria, um, which I, I just always think is an amazing thing. Like you eat and breathe. The thing everyone is always very concerned that to make sure they keep doing mm-hmm. because of this little thing inside you, the mitochondria. There are other, re- there are other parts of our bodies that use the food and the breathing right but like this without like like at the base level you have no energy all that other stuff that you want other things for like you want some of the protein for whatever doesn't matter if you have no food and if you have no energy okay so i i think it's super like in oxygen particularly your whole entire circular uh circulatory system your bloodstream, all of that, mm-hmm. is to give every cell oxygen right. for the mitochondria. Okay. That's so they, why they, it exists. They are pretty demanding. Yeah. Um, so where did mitochondria come from? Uh, they, so there's this theory of endosymbiosis. So mitochondria used to be these little bacteria-like creatures that lived on their own billions of years ago and made energy for themselves. Um, and then they were absorbed by different bacteria and they started living symbiotically. So endo means inside, symbiosis means they live together. Mm-hmm. So these two things absorbed each other um, and sort of gained each other's powers. 
The mitochondria gained the powers of the rest of the cell, and the cell gained the energy-making powers of the mitochondria. And this is like over a billion years ago. Sure. Um, but so that's really cool. Like, so our mitochondria came from other things. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't just start, like, our cells didn't just, like, start with them in them. Okay. Um, so they make energy. All things need energy. However, not all things need mitochondria to make energy. Okay. Not all things. So to be clear, uh, if you are above 21 years old in the United States. Me. And it's a Friday, which oh, it is there's a red-headed woodpecker outside. Sorry. Today. Like right outside the window. Great. Backyard bird count one. <laughs> it's front yard, though. Does that count? Sorry. Go ahead. I don't <laughs> think they mean literally only backyards. I need to read the rules. Go ahead. Oh <laughs> Sorry. Um, you, people can tell you, I get so distracted by birds. We were playing pickleball the other day and a hawk flew by and I almost got hit because I just had to look at it. All right. So here we are. Things need, thing, other things need mitochondria. You weren't listening. <laughs> I was. Don't close your window. No, don't. I got to see what he's doing. Okay. So we all need energy. Mm-hmm. Mitochondria gives humans their energy. A lot of organisms their energy, but not all organisms. So like I said just a moment ago, bacteria, mm-hmm. some bacteria absorbed mitochondria to lead and evolve to what we are today. But that means there are bacteria around. Most bacteria don't have mitochondria in them. Right. Oh. So what do they do? Because they still need energy. All living things need energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a thing called anaerobic respiration. Right. Anaerobic means... Lack of oxygen. Yeah, no doesn't oxygen. need oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also called glycolysis, which is basically sugar gets broken down in the cells of bacteria and in a lot of cells even before they go to the mitochondria. So your cells actually can make a small amount of energy just by breaking sugar down in its goop. Without the mitochondria. Without the mitochondria involved at all. Good for them. This is without oxygen. Mm -hmm. This is what I was saying about if you're above 21 years old. Oh, sorry. It's a Friday night. What might you indulge in responsibly? Nancy Drew books. And a glass of? Sherry. Sure. (laughs) Any alcohol comes from fermentation. Fermentation is a process of anaerobic respiration. So like alcohol is a byproduct from yeast Mm -hmm. from glycolysis, this anaerobic respiration. Okay. They make energy for themselves. We take the alcohol from them for our own use. Mm. Just like we produce carbon dioxide, we're taking the thing that they don't want. They don't want the alcohol. It's bad for them. Okay. Um, They want the energy from it. We as humans can't make energy or we can't make alcohol when we don't have oxygen. Right. However, if you've ever been running or exercising really fast. I have not. And you are breathing really heavily and you kind of are running low on oxygen. Mm -hmm. That's like a very intense workout. You feel the effects of that very intense workout in your muscles, Mm. not as alcohol in your muscles but is lactic acid. Yes, okay. So that burn is actually your body running out of oxygen and performing respir- anaerobic respiration also. Okay. So all living things do this. We just also have mitochondria to give us a lot more energy. To be clear, we could not live off anaerobic respiration for very long. Yeah. That's why our muscles like 
feel that way, it's sort of a sign to our brain, stop doing that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a great reminder, plants have mitochondria too. That was a misconception from a long time ago. Always helpful to remind you. But the wrap up, we all need, all organisms need energy. Mm-hmm. Mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cells. Bacteria are cells. Do bacteria have mitochondria? No. No, they do not. They had an ancestor who absorbed one a long time ago. We can, all cells can make energy without mitochondria. It's just that we evolved to have mitochondria because they produce tons of it. They definitely are a powerhouse. They definitely produce lots of it. But it's not true that they produce the only energy for the cell. So how would you, if you had to just, because I think the reason that that powerhouse of the cell sticks is because it's so succinct and Mm -hmm. easy to remember. So if you had to redo that phrase that everyone learns when you make your little cell cake or cell pizza what would you say mitochondria is the well i hate cell cakes and pizzas as a biology teacher but yes i hear your point (laughs) mitochondria are the powerhouse of some cells (laughs) okay (laughs) which isn't fun is it it's like putting an asterisk on it that's what we're all about here not fun accuracy yes um but yeah i mean there's more bacteria in your body as we learn another misconception Mm -hmm. than there are cells of you so most of you doesn't have a mitochondria. Think about that one for a while. Um, I'm going to leave you with some mitochondria fast facts. Yes, please. Fast fun facts. Uh, it's really based off one fun fact. Mitochondria have their own DNA. Why would that be, Margaret? Because they evolved from tiny people that used to live inside our cells. Well, what did I tell you earlier about how mitochondria came to be inside? Cells like ours. Um, Over a billion years ago, what happened? Over a billion years ago. That may have been when the woodpecker came. Yeah, I'm starting to figure that out. (laughs) Well, mitochondria did not start inside. Like our cells evolved to absorb mitochondria, right? They did not. An ancient bacteria absorbed a mitochondria. Mm -hmm. Mitochondria were living on their own. Mm -hmm. So why would they have their own DNA? Because they lived on their own. They, they were their, were their, own, their thing. own thing. Yeah, they were their own thing. We have our own DNA in our nucleus of our cells. Mm-hmm. Mitochondria have their own that DNA. That is wild. That is wild. It's wild. And here's a fun thing. We've, most people don't think about it. We think of we are half our parents, right? Mm-hmm. All of the things outside of our nucleus don't come from both of our parents. Oh. What, what has the, who has the egg? The the person who carries eggs. So yes. sometimes the mother. Yes. Sometimes the mother. The mother's egg, that first cell that you started as mm-hmm. is from your mom. Mm-hmm. Your mitochondria, all of those organelles you learned in biology class did not come from the dad. Those are your mom's. Whoa. Mitochondria is what we call maternally inherited. You can track your maternal roots through your mitochondria DNA. And people do this. Ancestry.com, all those like relative 23s and me's and all of those things that say like where you're inherited from, Mm -hmm. they're not testing the DNA you think about. They're testing your mitochondrial DNA because it so cleanly tracks back through your mom. That is so interesting because I feel like I've heard that phrase a lot in um, like 
crime documentaries and things. And yes, it's big and big in crime. But too. I hadn't thought about like, what does that mean? Mitochondrial DNA, not just DNA, mitochondrial DNA. And I think especially they use that on unidentified people and um, things where they don't know who a person is really. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, and it, but it's so clean, right? Like it kind of muddies the waters to split your DNA and figure out whose DNA comes from where. Mm-hmm. It's just easier to have this one thing wow. that only comes from one side. It's also how we know very accurately where humans evolved from in Africa thousands and thousands of years ago because it, we can just trace it so cleanly through human um, evolution because it just goes back through one side of our history. That's amazing, Camden. And it makes sense. Like you were saying, like now that you know where mitochondria started mm-hmm. as, it makes sense why they have their own DNA. So there you go. Thanks, Camden. Mitochondria are the powerhouse of some, some cells. cells. All right, Margaret. What'd you bring for us? Okay. So when we sneeze, we say bless you or gesundheit or salute. Sure. Why do, we, why do you think we do that? Um, I've heard people say like, like they said that because, oh, your heart stopped. So bless you. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I'd heard that too. I'd heard it was because your heart stops when you sneeze. And when that happens, we are blessing someone in hopes that their heart will restart. But that's not so as it turns out as you probably guessed, since this is the podcast we have. Interesting. Uh, So my sources are Stephanie Papa's article for Live Science, University of California, Santa Barbara's Science Line, Science Reference section at the Library of Congress, and BBC News. Kevin, why do we sneeze? Oh, to expel that yucky snot. I mean... You don't want it in your head anymore, and so you get rid of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's right. There are nerve endings in your nose that tell your brain, there's something bothering me, I need to get it out. It's a reflex. Sneezing is a reflex. And the fancy word for sneezing is sternitation. Sternitation. Don't think I've ever heard that word before. I had not either. So what happens when we sneeze? Well, again, something stimulates the lining of your nose and the nerves in your nose, send a signal to the area of the brain stem called the medulla, also known as? The medulla oblongata? Yes. Oh, okay. I learned that they are the same thing. Huh. So that area of your brain, the medulla, prompts everything that happens next to happen. So you sneeze, you first inhale deeply, then your chest muscles tighten. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Can you feel it right now? Just like the... <laughs> It's, this all happens very fast, of course. Oh, right. <laughs> um, air pressure builds up in your lungs. Your eyes close. Your tongue pushes on the roof of your mouth, and you breathe quickly up to 100 miles an hour out of your nose. So I am fast. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's very, very fast. And if this sounds familiar to you, you may have listened to an episode in the past where I talked about whether or not you can keep your eyes open. Yeah. You can't. And you hate sneezing, man. No, no, no. I'm fine. I. <laughs> what is your problem? I just find them to be so interesting because everybody sneeze sneezes. The sneeze industry. Everybody sneezes. Um, so the medulla prompts everything that happens. Oh, hey, Satchel. You chewing some ice? She's in doing here? Foley work. <laughs> Thank you. We're walking across the Arctic. <laughs> so 
the medulla tells your your body to do all of those things to sneeze, but the medulla oblongata does not tell your heart to stop. Are there changes to your heart? Kind of, sure, yeah. Does it stop? No. So that seems like not a thing our bodies evolved to do. It's like let's start the stop the heart real quick for this <laughs> real thing quick, tickling our nose and then restart it. Yeah. So a sneeze does, like I said, cause pressure to build up in your chest and sneezing can change your heart rate and blood pressure for just a little bit. Um, and your body makes electrical signals that among other things, tell your heart to always keep beating and you're not going to override those electric electrical signals with a sneeze. Science line had this analogy. They said, think of it more like a slight disruption in traffic flow through your heart. But I would change this analogy slightly to say that maybe a sneeze is like a tiny earthquake that happens while cars are on the road. No one's hurt. It's just a tiny earthquake. So their rhythm might change, but they're still going. They're still moving. Does that make sense? Your body might go, whoa, what was that? Whoa, what was that? But your your heart, it's still moving. It's everything's still, still moving, still pumping. Still in traffic. Yeah. So our heart does not stop. It would not be good for us. Um, it does not come to a screeching halt. Right. Our bodies are pretty good most of the time at keeping those systems working. Now, I did get into a couple of those origins behind bless you after a sneeze, besides, of course, the idea that your heart's going to stop. Um, but I learned that Pope Gregory the first may have mm. suggested saying God bless you after a sneeze because during his reign, do popes have reigns? Is that what it's called? Long may he pope. <laughs> so he suggested saying bless you after a sneeze because during his reign, bubonic plague was rampant. Oh. Sneezing was a symptom. And so it was a way to be like, oh gosh, I hope that some deity has mercy on you because if you have the plague, you are not going to be around here. It's like long. the character in the movie who snee who like has a who, cough. Who coughs. No one just coughs in a movie. It's significant. And then there is also an ancient superstition that your soul was made of air and it was kept in your head and that sneezing Whoa. might release it. So it was necessary to ask for God's blessing to keep your soul contained in your head. Just put two fingers up there. You don't want your soul to fly out. (laughs) Those are also not scientifically backed. Ah. Um, Here's a fact about sneezing. I've not been able to stop thinking about guess how long. And maybe I asked you this when I did my original sneezing one, but guess how long the longest continuous sneezing period was not one sneeze, not one long sneeze, sneeze, but like a sneeze, sneeze sneeze. Yeah. Guess how long it was. I'm scared. Oh, it's terrifying. 14 minutes. No, this was 978 days. Like this woman, Donna Griffiths of England, she sneezed for 978 days continually. Can you imagine how disruptive that would be to your life? I can't. Can imagine I can't. the 979th day where you're like, oh my God. I wouldn't trust don't it. Don't jinx it. I wouldn't trust it. Oh my gosh. I can't stop thinking about her. This was in the 80s. Oh. That oh must have been goodness. the best day of anyone's life ever when she stopped sneezing. Whoa. Wouldn't she be mad if it was like, oh, I just stopped, I just cut dairy out of my life and then I stopped sneezing? Oh my gosh. That is not scientifically backed either. So here are some actionable facts about sneezing. The air and droplets from a sneeze can reach up to 26 feet from the sneezer. So wear a mask. And then. Yeah, six feet doesn't apply when no, you don't have a mask on. No. 
26 feet. Wear a mask. Sneeze into your arm. Wash your hands. I like those. Your heart's not going to stop. Thank you. Well, thanks, Margaret. Um, I do have a quick, quick um, mention here from a historian who wrote in recently, one of our most avid listeners. He, he was writing to us, not about sneezing at all, but on the previous episode, I had talked about lie detector tests. And I said that John Larson created an early version of the polygraph test in 1921. And this historian, who is an avid listener, wanted me to mention that William Moulton Marston had a big hand in the polygraph's development, too, because he created the systolic blood pressure test. And this blood pressure oh, test wow. yeah, became part of Larson's polygraph machine later. You might not be familiar with William Moulton Marston for his work on the systolic blood pressure test, but I'm sure our listeners are familiar with his other creation. The hamburger. No. Oh. Wonder Woman. Oh. Wonder Woman. He is a fascinating person. Again, his name is William Moulton Marston. You should read his Wikipedia page. He is, he's fascinating. He's so interesting. So thank you for the additional information, listener. Yes, he did have a hand in the polygraph test as well. Um, and as a reminder, if you have comments for us, email don't pee on your leg at gmail.com. Nice, Margaret. And thanks for writing in. Y'all can always reach us at don't pee on your leg at gmail.com. That's right. So we're going to end this episode, like every episode, with something we are reading, watching, interested in this week. Um, so Satchel this week is really into this squeakerless toy, which is great for podcast recording. I may have crushed it, not on purpose, but I, I think I stepped on it accidentally and now it doesn't squeak, squeak anymore. Oh, oh no oh. plants. <laughs> uh. So I think Camden was going to say that we are going to talk about what we're consuming. Camden, do you want me to go first? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I have been consuming the 28 Days of Black History's daily emails. I can't remember where I first heard about it, but every day, as the name suggests, they send you this really well curated um, collection of black history information like today, I really enjoyed and was so interested in reading about Nina Simone's incredible protest song called Mississippi Goddamn and its origins. And there, there's just so many interesting things they tell you. They have suggestions for actions every day. And you can still sign up for their emails. We're not all the way through February yet. You can still sign up for the emails. And you can also view an archive of the curated daily emails you've missed at tinyurl.com slash the number 28dobh. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash 28dobh. And listen to Nina Simone. Thanks, Margaret. You're welcome. Tell, tell me about the things you've been consuming. Um, this week has been all about independent journalism. Um, so I recently subscribed to two Kansas City newspapers, mm-hmm. um, Shawnee Mission Post and the Kansas Reflector. Reflector, mm-hmm. yes. Um, and they. I was just guessing. Wild guess. Good job. <laughs> a, they have like a monthly subscription, um, but was recently encouraged to support local journalism and also journalism that um, is doing really important um, investigations in our mm-hmm. community, especially with COVID going on. It's harder for folks to sometimes get 
um, the information the same way they might have before. And I also am supporting <laughs> in a slightly different way some um, subscription-based journalism through the New York Times crossword. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, I got... I was working on some meditation techniques the other day and was recommended um, using the crossword as a way to focus. Uh, The New York Times crossword has a great app and it allows you to do crosswords of varying difficulties and size in case you don't have a ton of time to devote to it. Um, But it's nice ways to just sort of like recenter, put your brain on something else. And so, yeah. I encourage you to look for um, independent journal or look at independent journalists and journalism in your area and, and also crosswords, crosswords crossword. for mental health. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening today. If you like this episode or any of our others, please rate us and leave us a quick review. A quick five-star review will help new listeners find us and give us a try. You can find more content from us on our social media pages at Instagram at don't pee on your leg. Twitter at don't pee, just the letter P on your leg. And Facebook at facebook.com slash don't pee on your leg. Don't pee on your leg and other scientific misconceptions is a podcast produced by two birds, one scone articles, blog posts, and more about what you can do every day to conserve our environment can be found at two birds, one scone.org. Our original theme music is by Camillo. If you have a scientific misconception or comment that you would like to share with us, please email us at don'tpeeonyourleg at gmail.com. <laughs> have a great, have a great week. week. That's about all she could take. <laughs>